Welcome to Momentum Church. Today we're getting into John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. And I want you to open up your Bibles. While you're opening up your Bibles, I want to ask you a question. Last week, how many people watched the blood moon take place, the lunar eclipse? Raise your hands. Yes, that's exactly how my family was. Just like, like everybody's just asleep until they weren't. Because <laughs> daddy got excited about it this time. And I know it happens often, but I was just kind of like excited, wanted to see it. And so I go downstairs and I wake up Mac. And I get him up like, there's a blood moon. There's what? A blood moon. So I get him outside to look at it. I run upstairs because I know Amy doesn't want to miss this. So I run upstairs, and I, Amy, Amy said, what? Blood moon. She's like, bloody eye. I, she, but I got her down. She came downstairs. Arden, we did not wake up because she wakes up like five, six times a night and constantly in our room, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And she was asleep, and we didn't want to poke the beast. You know what I'm saying? She's little, but she's mighty. So we let her sleep. But we went out, and we began to watch this. And I got him at a time when there still was a little bit of a sliver. You know, I wanted him to see some of the moon before it finally started getting dark. And, and um, But you know what's happening is the sun is shining. And as the sun is shining, the earth is moving into place where the earth begins to create a shadow. The sun's rays are blocked by the earth and the moon doesn't reflect the sun. And so that's what's happening. And it gets darker and darker. And so once it finally was dark, it didn't take too long, the family went to bed right away. Well, I, I was still interested, you know, so I'm staying up. I end up falling asleep waiting for it to become even darker. And then finally I wake up and I go out. Is it done? And it wasn't. It, I could hardly even see the moon. That's how much the shadow was blocking the sun. The earth was blocking the sun's rays so much that it obscured the brightness, the brilliance that I usually would see the moon shining at that time. Earlier in the night, before everybody went to bed, I was out on my back area, about where my fire place is, and all, and my fire, my pit, and all that stuff. I love living out there. And, um, and I'm out there, and the moon was so bright, you could almost read your book by it. That's how bright it was. But now, in the middle of the night, when I'm looking at it, it is so dark. With natural eyes, it was hard to see. Now, your little iPhones, you pull those out. Right there it is, the red moon, you know. But it was hard to see with my natural eyes. And it's just an amazing little phenomenon that's happening. And I want us to, to, to look at the idea of Jesus as the light. We know he is the light of the world. We know that. And there's some things that I can kind of extrapolate from, from just what God showed us this week in, in the world, you know, in, 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 the, in the celestial heavens, okay? And so what we're going to look at in John chapter 8 is... The continuation of that chapter, Pastor Stephanie, she started it last week. Man, didn't she kill it? Yes, she did. I tell you, the, I'm so blessed with the staff we have. The, the bench runs deep when it comes to preaching and teaching around here. And I'm just, they just bless my socks off. I told the first service years ago, I would get calls from pastors who would say, Ross, I know you guys are a newer church, you know. I mean, at that time, we're probably six, seven years old. I know you're a newer church, and a lot of times pastors don't get to take breaks because they don't have staff that can preach. I could come in and do a service for you. And I always just politely decline. Thank you so much, you know. But we've got some great preachers in the house and they just keep getting better and better and uh, they keep me on my toes for sure 
But I was so thankful for her last week sharing. And she was sharing how this story is still centering around the Feast of Tabernacles. So weeks ago, before even Easter, when we jumped into the Easter series that we did, before Easter, I'd left you in chapter 7 with the Feast of Tabernacles. This whole 7 and 8 is dealing around the people before it, during it, and then right after it. And so in their minds, the Feast of Tabernacles are in their minds as this narrative is taking place. And, and, and so you got to remember what the Feast of Tabernacles is celebrating is God leading, okay? And if somebody's leading, then that means somebody is, come on, somebody. I said, if somebody's leading, that means somebody is, yeah. So God is leading his people out of bondage in Egypt to the promised land, all right? And the Feast of Tabernacles is that festival that would happen every year, still does, that reminds the people of Israel of that journey to the promise, to freedom, to to life. And really to life that is, if you will, abundant. And as they would follow, they would be led by the Shekinah. The real way to say it is Shekinah, but we all kind of hiblicize it, you know, Shekinah, glory of God, you know, but it's the Shekinah glory of God. It's, it's, it's the manifest presence of God in the form of a cloud by day or a pillar of fire by night. And so God is leading them. And that's the celebration that they're celebrating. And now we come up on this point where Jesus is going to start teaching inside the temple. And he's going to begin to share a very poignant truth about who he is and how we can view him. Let's stand to our feet as we honor God's word. We're going to look at John 8, just verse 12. We're just going to get into verse 12. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. I love it. We just celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles. We are being reminded of the cloud by day, the fire, the light by night that would lead us. And he goes, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, shout follows, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us know what it means to not live in the shadows. Help us know what it means to allow you to shine bright in and through us, that we might be able to be those who walk in the light that is the life of men. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can have your seats. Here's what's so cool about this. And I just love nothing is missing in Scripture. I love this. Jesus chose to preach this sermon from a place in the temple that would have been called the Court of Women, okay? And it's this area in the temple that during the Feast of Tabernacles, something very significant happened every single night. Now, in that area of the temple, during the day, there would have been a ceremony using water to commemorate the beginning of the day. And here's what's neat about that. In John 7, at sort of early part as we we were talking about Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus called himself the living water, right? But at the evening times, they would have a ceremony that would be the lighting of the lamps. And right where Jesus, and I'm picturing Feast of Tabernacles is over, and I'm picturing just like us staffers, a lot of times we'll have an event in here on Sunday night, and we're like, let's just go home. We'll deal with it tomorrow, you know? Stuff is just tore up from the floor up. And we go home, and this is how I'm picturing it. So it's, it's after Feast of Tabernacles. In that court of women, guess what is in that, women, that court? Four candelabras. Big old light candelabras are in this area where Jesus is teaching. Historically, this is so cool. Say it's cool. 
This is the kind of stuff that geeks me out, right? And so this analogy of light that Jesus is referring to here, it makes sense because they've just celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles and every single night the lighting of these four candelabras would take place that would shine light so bright into the night sky that there was actually one ancient Jewish source said there was not, there was not a courtyard in Jerusalem that did not reflect their light. It was like a searchlight shining up into the sky as a reminder that the fire by night led them as they followed the Shekinah glory of God to the promise that God had. And now amongst all this light that they've been experiencing, like that moon in my backyard so bright I could almost read by, now Jesus is standing amongst these candelabras and it's not lost on him when he goes, I am the light of the world. Ooh, that gave me chills. You know, I just like, that's like Jesus just like, drop the mic. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think he had long hair. <laughs> and so the celebration and the lighting of the lamps has always been associated in their recollection of their nation's experience, not only of the Exodus but also the second exodus. Because you got to understand, the Jewish people were looking for a Messiah, the, 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 the Mashiach HaMashiach, the one who would come someday and lead people to complete victory, complete redemption. And there's some people in this room that have found the Mashiach HaMashiach, amen? There's some people in this room that have come out of darkness and into light, and we know that. And so this is what is happening in this moment. He's just like, we've been recalling all this in our church history, or in our, 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 our nation's history, and now Jesus says, I, I, am, I am the light. Ooh, that's heavy. And also, I think it would tie back to that period of time when who has sent you? Tell them the I am has sent you. So this has so much implication. I know that. We're not teaching into it today. But I know that because the rest of the chapter, the Pharisees are freaking out. Who do you think you are? Who gives testimony of you? And I love Jesus. He's just like, I don't need nobody to give testimony. I testify of myself. He didn't say that, but that's what he said. It's like He didn't have that attitude. But it's just like, oh, I love how Jesus is. He's so snarky sometimes. And he's just telling them everything that you've all celebrated. It's me, guys. I'm the one to follow. I'm the one that will lead you into the promise. I'm the one. I was the cloud by day, and I am the pillar of fire by night. Ooh, and now he's like, just, it's me. Follow me. Not something you can't touch, but a living being, me. Follow me. In the Old Testament, the Lord is seen as the light of his people. And for the Jewish person in the Old Testament, it always light like that, the light of God, pointed to the saving activity of God. In other words, in Scripture, light is Yahweh in action. Light is God in action. And if you understand anything about light, there's a lot of stuff happening when it comes to light. There's a lot of things I don't quite understand scientifically, but there's a lot going on when it comes to light. And there's a lot going on when God is working out his redeeming, saving action in the lives of his people, both the Jewish people and all of you all today. I mean, light is Yahweh in action. Jesus Christ alone brings the light of salvation to a sin-cursed world. Amen? To the darkness of falsehood, Jesus is the light of truth. To the darkness of ignorance, he is the light of wisdom. To the darkness of sin, he is the light of holiness. 
To the darkness of sorrow, he is the light of joy. There's some people going through some stuff today that you feel lost in the shadow. But he is the light of joy in the midst of the shadow of sorrow. And to the darkness of death, he is the light of life. Somebody in this place should give God some praise in here. Amen? Yeah. But here's what's cool. Unlike these temporary and these stationary candelabras, Jesus is on the move. Amen? He's not stationary. He is moving. And if he's moving, that, that demands us to be following. Amen? If he's moving, we need to be following. The one who follows him, Jesus promised, they will not walk in darkness of sin, the world and Satan, but will have the light that produces spiritual life. I'm going to read it again just so we get it. John 8, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall follows me. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When I read that, I hear both two things. I hear one, a promise. David Gaddy, if you follow Jesus, you won't walk in darkness. Isn't that good? He'll be a light unto your path and a light unto your feet, a lamp unto your way. I mean, you're not going to walk. There's a promise is what I hear. If I follow him and he's my light, then the promise comes that I won't walk in darkness. But guess what? I also hear a mandate. Those who follow me will not walk in darkness. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Those who follow me will live a life that's separated. Those who follow me will leave other things. Those who follow me will keep their eyes on me. Those who follow me will not allow one other thing to get between us. Those who follow me will not walk in darkness. So I see both a promise, but I also see a mandate. Travis, help me with something up here, if you don't mind. I didn't tell him I was doing this. I'm going to follow Travis, all right? And so Travis walked that way. Do you see I'm following him? I'm, I'm close. I see him. I, I, I'm walking. I, I, I'm trying to keep in step with him. I'll never be as cool as him. I am trying. I'm only a quarter. No, I'm only an eighth cool. No, I'm teasing. I'm going to follow you this way. And so I'm following Travis. There's nothing between us. To follow someone means that you're literally like that's who is the object of your pursuit. You're following them, right? And so, uh, Jeff, come up here. So here, stand here, all right? And Jeff, stand here. Now, I'm, I'm going to have Jeff follow Travis. Go that way. All right. And so now I'm following Jeff. I can't even see Travis. It's not your head, Jeff. It's, uh, you know, keep, let's, let's make a little loop. So I, I am, I am following. There's something between me and Travis that's keeping me from fully being able to see Travis. I've allowed something to come between us. All right, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah, I love those guys. And so <laughs> one who follows faithfully means it's one who doesn't let anything stand between them and the object or person that they are following. Does that make sense? If I'm following God, it's God and it's me. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have other people on the journey with us, but my focus and my attention is on my God. And here, here's the thing about that. Think about how that obscure. You can see my shadow up there. My hand is coming between the light and the ceiling, just like the earth was coming between the sun and the moon. 
Amen? When I allow things to get between me and God, there is no way I'm going to shine as bright as God desires me to shine. And if that's the case, his light is the life of men. And I'm not saying you're losing salvation by no means, because there's a lot of stuff that brings shadows in our life that we have not asked for. They're thrust upon us. But if we're not focusing on him, long story short, we stop seeing and experiencing the benefit of that light of life. We start to get choked. We start to lose something, lose some vibrancy, lose some energy. Light is energy. Lose some illumination and understanding. I don't know about y'all. When I go through stuff, my brain just goes, it goes on the frets. I don't think as straight and so on. And so God has called us to follow. And that means if we're following and we're not allowing something to come in between us, that means we're trying to separate ourselves from other things so that our focus is on him. That we're not allowing one thing to get between God and us as we're going through life. Amen? And so there's separation that takes. There's always been separation that takes place in the world when it comes to light and dark. Watch what it says in Genesis 1 one through five, because God has always called forth a separation between darkness and light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. I love that, that without form and void and there's darkness, what's missing to separate all those things? Light, that's it. When we allow the shadow to be unmanaged, when we allow the shadow to come, Things will become formless and lifeless and void. You've been there before. My dad would call it the mully grumps. You just get all the way in the mully grump. That's a great word, you know. But then watch what happens. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Say Separation. I'm going to get back there. God called the light day, the darkness night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. In Scripture, you're always going to see poles, polarity. You're always going to see right from wrong, light and dark. There's separations. Do you see what I'm trying to say here? And the thing with it is our world is getting to a place where it hates anything Binary. Why? Because if I can say that there is nothing binary, okay, everybody got really quiet. Y'all nervous up in here. If I can say that nothing is binary, then I can't say something is right or wrong. I can't say something is, is, is evil or, 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 or righteous. If I can't say male or female, it just makes everything become non-binary. There is nothing that can be a standard. And no wonder we see in our world in the last 40, 50 years, a shift toward anything that is completely separate from absolute truth. You know, There's no absolutes is what we've been taught. But scripture will say, if there's darkness and light shows up, it's absolutely not dark anymore. Maybe dim, maybe dusk. But just a little light changes it from dark to not dark. Does that make sense? So that's separation. And when it comes to our lives, we've got to be able to say, okay, God, I want you shining bright in my life. And if that's the case, I don't want to be in the void. I don't want to be formless. I, I want to be identified in the Imago Dei, the image of God. I want when people see me, they see the radiance of your face, Jesus. Amen? 
And so if that's the case, which side of the light are you going to live on? Are you going to live following close or on this side where the shadows dwell? Does that make sense? Think about, think about my hand, my shadow. Am I going to live over here or am I going to be, remain in the shadows? And again, I'll get to this at the end. Some of the shadows are thrust upon you. Some of the shadows we invite. Some of the shadows are thrust upon us. And we can come out of the shadows, but we choose to go deeper into the darkness. Amen? But we see here, those who follow me, those will walk. They won't walk in darkness. Those who follow me won't walk in darkness. And they'll experience the light of life that is Jesus. And so we are called to come out to be separate. We are called to, to live in the light and not the dark. First Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. When, when you hear that, it's binary. You realize that, right? Because if you're a chosen race, that means there's some that aren't. And that's not talking about genetics at all. It's talking about those who have taken upon the new identity that comes when you come into a relationship with Jesus. Amen? That, 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 that's why the, there's, there's black folk in this race, and there's white folk in this race, and there's Jewish folk in this race, and Asian folk in this race, this race that God has called forth for himself. Amen? I love that. People would use scriptures like that back in the day to try to justify their sin, amen? Thank God we're getting delivered from that. But that's what they would do. They would take things like that and use it. But no, if there's a race that you're called to, that means there's others that aren't walking in it. You're a royal priesthood. That means there's others that aren't living as the royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. That means there's others that are refusing to walk as one of the chosen generation. You're a peculiar people. Yes, you are. <laughs> But then it goes on and it says, a people for his possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. And I love that. Imagine the, just the glory of the sun shining brightly off of you. When I saw that moon earlier in the night, it was an excellent moon. When I saw it, I remember just being like, wow, this is so beautiful. I couldn't believe how dark it got a few hours later. But in that moment, it was brilliant as it radiated the, 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 the sun's light back to the earth. Just its excellencies were shining so brightly. That's how we're called, to be able to be following him close so that who he is shines brightly in our lives. And not just for others to see, but his light is the light of life. We've been saying light of life. So it's not just for others to see and, oh, wow, look at their life's different. Their life's unique, special. That family's, family's different. That family's marriage is different. That family's finance is different. That family's peace in the storm is different. It's not just, no, no, it's not just so others see. It's so that you have light. That is the life that God desires for you to have. I don't know about y'all. When I'm in the dark, man, I'm clumsy in the light, let alone the dark. I'm serious. I, I, I went down to the concert in the park last week to, to celebrate our volunteers that were down there serving and stuff. And, and when I got to walking back to where I parked, which was like two miles away, um, there, there was a curb. And I, it was dark. And I stepped down. And this thing was that deep, you know, this, this little gully thing. And about, I thought I was going to sprain my ankle. I don't do good in the dark. You know, I don't find light in, life in the dark. I find injury. I find death in the dark, right? But it goes on and it says... 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's powerful. He even called us, called us to live in the shadows. I mean, we might go through shadows, yea, though I walk through the shadow of death, right? I ain't going to stay there. We're not called to live in the shadows. We're children of the light. And so if you've been called out of darkness, how then can we, if God's called us out of darkness, how then can we choose to live another way than for Jesus to be seen in our lives as the one who shines brightly? as the one that we follow, as the one that we guard to keep anything from coming between us to cast a shadow. Colossians 1, 10 through 14 says how we should live. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And I'm so glad Paul put that in there. That God had Paul write that. Because I'm not saying that, that, that I'm, I'm not just like preaching like keep on the sunny side. How many has been through some stuff? You know what? My ADDs want me to sing that so bad right now. <laughs> so keep on. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No, it's, it's saying even in the midst of, of pain and suffering and going through stuff, there's endurance and patience. And you've done that with joy. You've found some light. Some life in the middle of your pain and some life in the middle of your your issues that need patience. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. I love that. You are a son. You have inherited the light of God and he has transferred us from darkness to light and life. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so that's who we are, to walk worthy, to, to, to just to follow. To ask ourselves, what is standing in the way, causing a shadow in my life? What is keeping the brilliance of the Father, from Jesus rather, shining brightly in, in, our, in our lives? I told you earlier, the brilliance of the sun reflecting off the moon was reduced as the earth stood between the moon and the moon. And the sun, I want to ask you as we go to some points of some time of contemplation, what is standing in the way of Jesus shining bright in your life? What is it? What's standing in the way? Now, here's the thing. Some of those things that stand in the way are out of your control. Can I be honest? I mean, is there anybody here right now, something out of your control feels like it's standing in the way. You feel like you're in the shadows. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. And that could be a lot of different things. I know illness can be like that. I didn't cause this illness to come to me. But man, my, my heart, I feel like I'm just in darkness right now. The last couple of weeks, really the last few months, we've been ministering to a family who the, 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 the husband is, has cancer. And it has gotten to the point in the last couple of weeks that um, he was in the hospital and then in hospice and so on. And, and um, many of you don't know Mike. Mike lived up in Blue Ridge, but his family comes here. So when him and his wife, Tammy, would come down to see her, her mom and dad here, they would come to church. And if you ever saw Mike, he looks like the 1970s Marlboro man. You don't know about Just tall, lanky, strong, like a cow. A cow like, imagine me and then nothing like me. 
That's Mike. <laughs> so, so true. And um, just a, a precious guy. And he gave his life to the Lord years ago, and his, his wife had gotten saved years ago. And, um, and so, you know, with, with him having this cancer, um, man, I was there last week a couple times, and when I was there, he always wanted to be baptized. And last Sunday, we had baptism, and he had planned to come down from Blue Ridge and be baptized. They watch us online every Sunday. Thanks to all you who watch online. But with his sickness, it just has worked out well to be part of our church online. And he wanted to be baptized, but it, it didn't happen. He ended up in the hospital. And so I had the privilege last week to go and take two towels, one with water and one dry and just be able to minister to him and read scripture over him. And with big tears coming down his face, I was able to, in the name of the Father, and I squeezed. In the name of the Son, I squeezed. In the name of the Holy Spirit, I squeezed. Water just ran down his face, and we wiped it off, and just tears. And it was just such a beautiful experience. And in the midst of this time, they've been seeing God be faithful to them, wanting to know, though, why, God, aren't you healing? And and every part of them is wanting to be pulled into the shadows of this dark moment. And, and in some ways, they are being pulled. I get that. His fear is this. They had got together when they were in their 30s, and she was an alcoholic. And eight years of being together, she never could kick the habit. And finally, they were just done. He was done. Years go by. I think they were in their early 50s, mid-50s, when she'd been sober for a couple years. And they met up. They were always love of their lives, you know. They remarried, been together about 10 years now, and, um, and she's been sober this whole time, or been married about eight years. They've been sober this whole time. And so his fear is she'll retreat into the shadows. Is God shining brightly on the situation? Yeah, he is. But Mike has that worry that Tammy will retreat into the shadows and lose her sobriety. And it was such a joy and such an honor to be able to speak with Tammy a few times last week as she is just making a resolve, I will not go back. Oh, I'm sure she'll feel the tug of the shadows. Today we'll talk again. and I'm sure there'll be that tug, but I'm confident. She said, I'm going to do this not just for the Lord, but I want to do this as an honoring and a memorial to Mike because Mike asked her to stay sober. Whatever you do, don't go back. Do you know what? That was thrust upon them. But now, our friend, she has to make a choice. Will it allow her to be pulled back deep into the shadows? Or will this be something? And, and grief is part of this. You Sometimes you get angry at God. That's part of it. God can handle that. But in the midst of it, will she keep her eyes on Jesus? Not let the, the things get in the way. I'm mad at you, God. But keeping all that in front of her, not running deeper into the shadows, but keeping that in front of her as she's following him. Would you pray for her? Tammy, would you just keep her in prayer? I love that girl. <clears throat> so yeah, sometimes you get in the shadows not because of anything you ask for. It's thrust upon you. Hmm. Sometimes it's financial things. Good night. Gas prices right now. Who, who expected all this inflation? Oh, you, you know, I, I went to Johns Creek to the hospital visits, and it was the first time I saw gas over $5 a gallon. On the sign, I just was blown away. Who has Bitcoin? Now you don't. <laughs> I think at least about 50% of it. <laughs> Hold on, he'll come back. But there's always going to be things that are going to try to hit us outside of our control. And those things try to draw us into orbit. They try to draw us 
into their influence, into their control. Why? So that those things will block us, in a sense, from seeing the light of God shine. It'll cause us to even get bitter toward God. It'll cause us to not look for his best, but to expect the worst, to move in doubt, not move in faith. And next thing you know, you're dwelling in the shadows. Those things have that power. Last year in the spring, and I know I keep telling this, but I went through it hard with some family stuff. Man, in the midst of it, I, I went into the whole, God, I've served you. God, I served my family right. I didn't let these people cause me to not serve my family right. Because people do that. Not your fault. Pastors let people do that. But man, I coach the teams. I, you know, and I'm trying to get my list. You know, my good daddy list. But you know what? I have a couple of adult kids not making the best decisions in life. And it crushed me last year. It crushed me so much that I stopped being able to have joy. I stopped being able to see the light of God. I recessed into the shadow, if you will. And it got so dark on a Saturday. I'm here in the church office, and my heart is so burdened. I knew I had to do something, and I called a counselor. Skeet. You got to love it when your counselor's name is Skeet. (laughs) Dr. Stokes. 77 years old. First time I went to him was 10 years ago. Love this guy. I hadn't talked to him in years. I was hoping he was still doing work, you know? He's brilliant. And I called him. Buddy, I need help. I got to get in and talk. My brain ain't right, you know? And um, he got me in a couple days later, and, and God started pulling me out of that darkness and back into the light. Amen? That wasn't stuff I, I thrust upon myself. It was thrust upon me. But I wasn't managing it well, and I was getting lost in the shadows. I want to just say to you in this room, whoever's here and you're going through some stuff, I declare to you in the name of Jesus, you will not be lost in the shadow. (laughs) The shadow will not overtake you in Jesus' name. That place of darkness is not where you're to dwell. God has called you a child of the light. The enemy will lie to you. will tell you that place of darkness is for you. That's where you're supposed to be. Or he'll tell you you have a right to hang out here. God's called you to follow him. Amen? And his light will shine upon you. And you'll walk in the light of life that is Jesus. Amen? Hmm. I hate you people. I don't cry ever in life. I get in front of you and you mess me up. Mm. So, we're almost done. Here's what David did when he felt like he was being pulled into that dark place. Psalm 34, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Watch this. Verse 3, I love it. He goes, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Do you know what that is? If, if I had Travis and Jeff in front of me and we're walking, if Travis was big, I could see him. And the sun, the light would shine around my situation and shine upon me. That's what's going on here. Oh, magnify the Lord. I'm going to make you larger in my life, God, than the stuff I've been going through. 
I didn't cause this stuff to happen, but I am responsible to do something with the stuff. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bless you all times. Your praise is going to be continually in my mouth. That's what I'm going to do, Lord. And I'm going to make you large in my life, not my situation, not the thing that I want to obsess upon, not the thing I put my eyes upon that causes me to get pulled into its orbit and in doing so blocks me from seeing your light shine experientially into my life. No, no, no. I'm going to magnify you. Check this out. The moon orbits around the earth. The earth orbits around the sun. What you make large in your life, you will orbit around. He's saying, I'm going to magnify the Lord. Now, you know, Pastor, what's this have to do with your sermon? Verse 4, I sought the Lord. There's the seeking. There's the turning. There's the following. And he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. You ready for this? Oh, you're going to shout. And they looked to him and were radiant. I may not get you excited. That gets me excited. And their faces were not ashamed. They looked to him and they, they were radiant. The light was back on their faces. This thing that he was going through didn't pull it into him into that orbit. No, no, he got to a place where the light was on his face. And in Scripture, I've taught you before, the lifting of a head or the shining on a face that speaks of favor of God. It's causing him to radiate. Now, let me step on your toes. Because some things we allow to be pulled into the orbits of our life that affect the light of Jesus from shining. There's unresolved relational struggles that you have that you know you need to repent of. That you've got things that you cause the tension, the struggle, the issue. Pastor Amy and I have preached on this a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to go down that. But I'm not dealing with that. And you just stay in the darkness in that relationship. Well, if they, they'll come and you stay in darkness. So some things are our own. How about unrepentant sin? Issues of sin, things that I know this is causing me to turn from God. I'm not saying that he is leaving me, but I am not drawing close to him like I'm supposed to. And I'm playing around with this pet sin, whatever it is. I'm, I'm, I'm moving into the shadows with this thing. Might be that. You know what I love about light when it comes to germs and sin and things like that. Years ago, my buddy Sam Croker, he, he's, he's, a pa- he's a friend of mine here at church. He passed away last March. Just a great buddy. And he gave me a little thing that when you're hiking, you can put it in water and you turn it on, and it's a tube with a UV light in it. And you just swirl it. I think it's about 15 minutes, and ever so often you swirl it in the water, and the UV light kills the heebie jeebies. It's the coolest thing ever. That's kind of how I see this. It's like, no, I'm keeping my stuff in the shadows. I'm keeping my stuff hidden. No, bring it out. Oh, God, this is my stuff. I need your light to shine purified. I'm not a child of the dark any longer. You've brought me from the place of darkness into your marvelous light, and now you call me into an inheritance, and you say I'm a child of the light. Oh, God, I refuse to allow the shadow to dominate my life. I'm going to turn. <laughs> Think about that. That earth. I'm going, to, I'm going to turn towards you. That's repentance. Changing of mind. Changing of direction and walk. That's metanoe in Greek. That's repentance. I'm going to turn toward the light. I'm not going to hide. And This is my sin. This is what I'm... I don't care what you say. I'm going to turn towards you. Allow the light of God to purify my heart. The power of his blood. The power of his redemption. To sanctify me as holy. So what I want to do, oh yeah, 
This is a lot earlier than I usually preach. I planned it that way. No, I was trying to give us about 10 minutes. And what I want to do is I want you guys to get real contemplative. I've asked Celeste just to play keyboards. We're not going to sing. Get real contemplative. And I want you to ask the Lord, if there's something that's been thrust upon you, no fault of your own, but you can tell it's pulling your heart into the shadows. Today, just go before the Lord with it. If you need us up here to pray with you, we'll be over here on this side, and we can pray with you about that. You may just want to come to the altar and seek God. God, I don't understand why I'm going through this. That's all right. But today, you're just making that decision as you think about, Lord, I don't want to remain in the shadows. This was done to me, or this is no fault of my own, but I refuse to turn toward the shadow, turn toward the darkness. I'm going to turn towards you and allow you to heal my heart, allow you to work a miracle, allow you to bring a victory in this. There's others in this room. Maybe it is sin. God, it's time. I'm going to turn from this place of shadows. It's yours. Purify. Deliver. Set free. So what's beautiful about this is if anybody comes to the altar, you have no clue why they're coming. Don't feel that like, oh, people are looking. No, no. Altar is a great place of God to just lay something down before him. And so we're just going to go and worship a little bit. I'll come back up in a few minutes and we'll dismiss. But let's let, 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 allow this place to be a very sacred place right now. Let's just, just go before him. And allow your heart to be dealt as he pulls you from the shadows into his light. Again, we'll be up here praying for you if you need prayer. These altars are open. Let's go to the Lord. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.